0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the reason we gather in this place this day. We invite your spirit to dwell in this room and in our hearts, and we beg you, as we open your word, that by your spirit you would speak to us. God, that you would show us from your word how you want us to live. You would capture our affections and our desires, and propel us to live lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's exciting to be here this morning. Adams asked me to preach last Sunday. We were away. My family went to visit my mom to start early Christmas. And uh, got to spend that with her. You know, she walked in on Christmas Sunday with her grandkids like a proud pea- peacock. You just wanting everybody to see. We wanted to make sure we were early so everybody could see the grandkids. I asked her what it was like when I was little, if she was like that. And she said, no, not at all. Um... So, that's just how it works. Um, as I was thinking about what to preach this morning, I was thinking about Christmas. And then I got back from our trip and I listened to Adam's sermon on Luke 2 last Sunday and it was just remarkable. And him laying out the Old Testament and how the 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 baby was to come and all that that entailed. And so... Then I began to think about what I did back when I was a youth pastor. So I, I preached for nine years before I came here as your associate pastor every week, week in and week out. And as a youth pastor, I'll, I'll never forget there was a Sunday, I mean a Wednesday night for our youth service. And I called the students around. I said, y'all, we're having our Christmas party, but we want to we read the Christmas story. And I had them all sit down and they all gathered around me. And I opened up my Bible and they were expecting, much like y'all did with many of your families, for us to read Joseph and Mary and the baby but that day instead of that I skipped over to the rest of the story and I talked about Jesus being captured and beaten Jesus being mocked and Jesus being crucified and it was one of those things for students you could just see them looking at each other and taking it in but the longer I read the implications of the fact that Jesus came to live among us began to sink in don't worry, that's not where I'm going to go this morning. But that, that was my second thought. And so, then I ended up, what am I going to do in between there? Somewhere between here and there, I want to talk about who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And I ended up in the book of John. And this morning, we're going to be in the book of John. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I want to talk this morning about what Jesus said about himself. There are seven different statements that John makes That we read Jesus makes in the book of John about himself. They're called the I am statements. And we see Jesus telling us about himself. He makes declarations about himself. And we're going to walk through those seven statements this morning. The first statement we read is in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6 we we see the account there of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus had preached to 5,000 people. And he turned to the disciples and he said, how are we going to feed them? And they looked at him and said, well, we don't have enough money. If we, even if we had 200 denarii, we couldn't feed all of these people. There's no way. And we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus prayed after the boy came up with the loaves and the fish. And Jesus blessed that. And they gave out that food. 5,000 people ate. And there were leftovers. 12 baskets of leftovers. This amazing miracle of Christ had happened. And then we pick up the account after that in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what signs do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. So we we see here that the people who saw the miracle were following Christ. Incredibly, they were asking for more signs, for more miracles to prove he was who he said he was. To prove he was who he claimed to be. They brought up the fact that manna used to come from heaven. And they wanted to get this more often. And they wanted to know that that could happen. They wanted bread. But Jesus meant the manna to be a picture of the Messiah. Jesus explained to them manna was a picture of himself. Whoever partakes of him will never again know spiritual hunger. Like the manna, everyone who seeks him will find him. Now pick up with me in verse 35 as we continue this. And Jesus is about to make the first I am statement. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe. All that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing that was given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. It's just amazing to see Jesus explaining that he is the bread, he is the one who will bring satisfaction he is the only one that could bring them salvation and then the promise that he would also never thirst as for the thirst remember how Jesus told the woman at the well that was looking for water he pointed to Jacob's well and said everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst indeed the water I give will be a spring of water welling up to eternal life so, amazing picture of Jesus proclaiming that he can, sus- he can sustain us. He can meet our every need. Most importantly, our every spiritual need. The psalmist wrote, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. May that be our heart's cry when we hear the fact that Jesus proclaims that he will be the one who, who meets our spiritual needs. In Jesus, our spiritual hunger is satisfied and our spiritual thirst is quenched. And once we have the Holy Spirit, that is once we are believers in him and the Holy Spirit becomes and lives within us, we'll never have need for anything else again. That God-shaped hole in our heart will be satisfied and we'll find our fulfillment in him. Now the second statement that Jesus makes about himself we see in John chapter 8 verse 12. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, he's speaking to them, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, I'm the light of the world. I am going to show you the way. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Literally, this means that those who who join Jesus as one of his followers will not be ignorant of spiritual matters. Because they will have the understanding, that is the Holy Spirit within them, of spiritual truths around them. The promise is that those who follow Christ will always have the path to follow. Taken literally, it means that Jesus says we have the light within us. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, Jesus is the answer. And Jesus has promised to show us the way. The way he, we are going to accomplish this and to live itself out is to know God's word. We know that... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And so if we want to know the light of the world, if we want to know the way that He expects us to live, we're going to have to understand God's Word. We're going to have to read God's Word for ourselves. We're going to have to listen to God's Word. I'm going to read several chapters out of Psalm, not several chapters, don't panic. Several verses out of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, completely devoted to our need for the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but with the new year coming and, and, and fresh starts, Christmas being over, many of us begin to think about being introspective, maybe making resolutions, maybe thinking about things that we need to adjust and change in our lives. And I would contend that Bible intake needs to be one of those things that we discuss and we think about. If we're going to think about Jesus being the light of the world, this is the light that he gives us. This is the book that he has given us to show us the way. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've Stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And skipping down to verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We want to know how it is that we're going to follow Jesus when Jesus says he is the light of the world. Well, the Bible is our light. The Bible is what he has left us, the infallible word of God for us to study and guide us in all situations. We must turn back to this book over and over and over again. These verses we don't learn one time and apply them and it's, it's finished. God uses his word because it's living and active. And there's times that he takes me back to verses that I learned when I was really young. And there's times that he takes me back to verses that, that I knew just weeks ago that I've already need to be reminded of. Now the negative side of this statement or the other side of this statement is the fact that Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and there's no darkness in him. Those who follow me... Will not walk in darkness. Now, he, hear me say, he didn't say those who follow will never stumble or make a mistake, but he did say those who are following me are not going to walk in darkness. There's a clear command here that if we are going to say that we are believers in Jesus Christ, we're not going to purposely, continually live in sin. Now, there are a lot of people who have made decisions for Christ, who have joined a church that attends services, but yet nothing has changed on the the direction of their life. And something's got to be changing. My life is still being worked out. I'm working out my salvation, and my life is still being conformed in the likeness of Christ. And those of you who know me know that I still have a long way to go. But I'm telling you this, I stand before you today saying I'm working on it. And we are not to continue to walk in darkness. And he he makes it very clear for us that we've got to turn away from our old life, turn away from our old self and to to be working out our salvation in our new self. Ephesians 4 says it this way. "But But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you heard about him, you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to the former matter of life and is corrupt through deceit desires. Deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on your new self created in the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. Now how can we do this? What does it look like for us moving forward for us to do this? I would say Psalms 139. Search me O God and know my heart. Search My heart, O God, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus says, "I I am the light of the world and those who follow me do not walk in darkness. The third thing Jesus says about himself, we see in John chapter 10. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheep hole by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them all out on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus said to them this, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves or robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out in pasture. Jesus uses a metaphor here of the wrong way to enter in. Those who, who try to climb the fence or, or go around the wall. Many try to find their way to good things without having to embrace Christ. Many people try to figure out a way to have a good life or to be a good person without ever wanting to encounter Christ. Or to be face to face with the reality of what he has to say. He also describes it in the positive way and that is this is the way that the true shepherd walks. The true shepherd walks up to the door and enters in. I am the door. Salvation is found through Jesus. Jesus is the door to the kingdom and no one enters except through him. He's the only way and he makes it very clear that he is the way. And people, the sheep know his voice and they enter in and they go out and they find pastures. Great Uh, Analogy there of all that we find in Christ when we are in him. Look back at verse 2 for a second. There's three different things in verse 2 that I really like about this. The first is, is the sheep hear my voice. Now, I'll be honest, when I was studying this week, I kind of blew past this when I'm like, okay, yes, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the only way. The sheep hear his voice, of course. And then I just kind of paused for a second. Because if I was to be real honest with you, the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months have been really crazy. Christmas is going on, trying to get things handled, kids' parties, getting presents. That We didn't do this. We've got my mom. We've got her mom. We've got all of the stuff that was going on. And I sat and I thought about this. The sheep hear his voice. And I'm going to be real honest with you, there's been times that in the craziness and busyness of the season that I haven't been listening to the right voice. You hear what I'm saying? That I've kind of missed out on hearing that voice. When I was a a youth pastor, we had uh, an event where I took all the kids out to a park and and we, we gathered around a tennis court and I put all the kids outside of the tennis court and I created a maze on the inside and I told, I told the teams of kids, I said, all right, here's five of you. You've got to make it through the maze. If you make it through the maze, you win. But you're going to be blindfolded. You've got to listen to directions. So they're all blindfolded. They're ready to go. They're standing there and they're waiting. And I'm like, you listen to me, only me, and I will not lead you wrong. So they began to walk through the maze. But all the kids on the outside of the tennis court are doing what? Some of them were telling them the right directions. Some of them were telling them wrong directions, hoping they walked into the wall. It was a bunch of noise going on, but they had to learn to listen to one voice, right? And, that, and that's us with Christ. Jesus says, I am the door, I am the one to listen to. And I fail to listen to the right voice sometimes. I, I let the noises of the world interrupt me and he says here the sheep hear my voice they know my voice and they know the difference between my voice and anyone else's voices the second thing we see in verse two he says he calls his own sheep by name I don't know if, if, if this affects you but there's times where I get discouraged there's times where I get downtrodden. there's times where I get beaten down and I have to remember that he knows my name He knows my situation and he knows everything that's going on in my life. And when I remember that I am his and that I'm a child of the king, then all of a sudden then I can sit back and look at my situation again. I told you all a minute ago that I go back to the word of God over and over and over. One of the verses that I return to consistently is Isaiah 43. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When the waves come, they will not overcome you. When the fire comes, you will not be burned, for you are mine. And and it's just one of those verses that just reassures me that he knows my name and he loves me. And despite of my situation, he's ready to be there for me. The third thing we see in verse 2 is that he leads them out. He says he leads them in and he leads them out to pasture. The promise continues. If we listen to his voice and remember that he knows us by name and he has our best interest at heart, he will lead us. We just have to trust and treasure him for that relationship. We have to follow him and trust that he's the one that will take us where we need to be. Now, the fourth thing that Jesus says about himself, the fourth I am statement, he continues here in John chapter 10, and he says that he is the good shepherd. Pick up with me in verse 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not know his own sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must also bring them with me. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason the father loves me. Because I lay down my life. And I take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down. And the authority to take it up. This charge I received from my father. Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Now. No one expects sheeps to be very responsible. No, we all know that, sh- that sheeps are not able to take care of themselves. They're vulnerable creatures. And yet that is the picture that, that the Lord uses for us. Owners hire a shepherd to watch after sheep. A shepherd's job and his responsibility is their safety and well-being. But most shepherds, that's just a job. And when, the, when it gets bad, when things get crazy, when things get dangerous, they walk away. But our shepherd... Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Knowingly and willingly dies to save us. Because there's no other way. Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. And he he reminds us that he lays down his life for the sheep. I know them, I know my own, and I will take care of them. I will lay down my life for them. He came to protect us, not only from outside attacks, But from the sin that dwells within us. So Jesus knew not only the situations that would come into our lives. But he knew the bigger battle that was going on in our hearts. And that was our sin problems. And he says that he will lay down his life to cover that that as well. In verse 10 he says the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, Jesus continues with his I am statements in John chapter 11. Jesus tells us more about himself in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he saw that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come. And Martha and Mary were to console Martha and Mary concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said, "I I know he'll rise in the resurrection of the last day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. We see here the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And and, and they were touched by death and grief. And many of us know what that feels like, especially during the holidays. One of the reasons I went home last weekend was it was the ninth anniversary since my dad had died. And I wanted to be there with mom on that day. And I remember nine years ago getting that phone call that dad had passed away in the night. And I spent the entire day trying to get to Alabama in order to be with my mom and to hold my mom. And I spent the entire day frustrated because I was one day late. We were going the next day to go home for Christmas. And I just wish that I had been there. And, and when I sit and read this story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, if I had been there, there was nothing I could have done for my dad. But But Mary and Martha knew if Christ had been there, he could have stopped this. If Christ was there, he could have stopped him from dying, and even now they know that Christ could raise him from the dead because they had that belief and that trust in him. But we know from Scripture that Jesus had actually delayed going there on purpose, right? He, he knew what was going on and waited more days to go because he expected to have this opportunity. He wanted to make this declaration about himself, and he wanted to teach them, I am the resurrection and the life Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What an amazing statement, and what amazing promise, and what hope and comfort that you and I, as believers in Christ, can find in the fact that, yes, Jesus lived, and yes, he died, and yes, he was re- resurrected. But one day he promises, he says he's gone to prepare a place for us, and one day he's going to come back, and he's going to take us to be with him forever. Brothers and sisters, this is our hope. This is, this is the hope that one day this world and all of its troubles, this world and all of its sin, this world and all of its hurt, this world and all of its sickness will pass away. But we will be with him forever and we will live with him and reign with him and worship with him for all days to come. This is our hope as believers in, in Christ. Jesus tells us more about himself in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, Jesus proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, beginning in verse 1. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you to go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you may know the way where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I, in, I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account Of the works themselves. There's no other way into the presence of God than by accepting the Lord's death as full payment for our sins. He says, I am the way. Not one way, not one of many ways, not one way that you can try. He says, I am the way. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven in which men might be saved. Jesus is the only remedy God has provided for man's sin problem. And we have to understand that to receive eternal life and understand the truth of God's word. Now in our world today, there's many, many people that will tell you there's lots of ways to heaven. There are many people that tell you there are many gods. There are some people that will tell you there are no gods. But I can tell you today that there is one God And there is one way to be right with God. And that one way is Jesus Christ. And Jesus declares that about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we can stand on that and we can take comfort in that today. Now that's a a hard truth, but it's still truth. And if you're in this room today and you're hearing all of these things that Jesus says about himself and about our sin and about what he came to accomplish, the good news is is the way, the truth, and the life has something to offer you. And he has promised that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And if you're sitting here today listening to this and you're uncertain, then today can be the day that you find a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But for the rest of us in this room, there's, there's a motivating truth behind this statement of what Jesus says. If we believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the only way for people to be forgiven of their sins, and we understand how to find that way, and we know that we're surrounded by people who are not trusting in him and believe many other ways, The motivating truth for us has to be to go out into the world and to build relationships, relationships of trust and conversation that can lead us to opportunities to tell the truth of the gospel so that other people can find the way. Jesus didn't declare this about himself so that we could feel good and know that we found the way and us to be content in that and to stop at that point. Jesus told us the way, the truth, and the life so that we could share that with other people. The last I am statement that we'll look at is in John chapter 15. This is, this is my favorite. John 15 beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now I mentioned that this is one of my favorites and I started to make this the entire sermon because I believe that if you, you look at this passage of scripture, it's a practical roadmap on how it is that we can find spiritual growth. If we understand that he is the vine, that he is the one that provides everything that we need to flourish, he is the one who will, will, will give us everything that we need to thrive in our spiritual life. If we will abide in him. He promises us if we will abide in him. He will abide in us. If we walk with him. He will walk with us. He explains that we have to be attached to him. we have to remain in constant communion with him. In order to receive what we need. To live out the Christian life. As it's been designed for us to do. If we're going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We've got to abide in his promises. And we've got to live in communion with him. You see, if we yield ourselves to him, if we yield our life to him, then those things can begin to happen. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 will, will tell us how it is that we can do that. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship, Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to test and discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, when we yield our life to him and respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit that he sent to guide us, we can bear much fruit. If not, our lives will be unfruitful. We might be children, we might be saved, but our lives will be unfruitful. We'll, our lives will be no more useful than the branches that the gardener discarded after pruning time. Paul confirmed this in 1 Corinthians 3 when he said, An unfruitful believer will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Fruitful Fruitfulness happens when we abide in Him and we walk with Him and we surrender to Him and we give our lives to what He has for us. We must abide in Christ and trust that He is the true vine. That nothing else will meet our greatest needs. Nothing else will truly satisfy. Nothing else will bring us true success. Bearing fruit for the kingdom. Or greater joy than abiding in him. And proving to be his disciples. And accomplishing all that he has created us to do. Being used for his glory. Now we... we We know the Christmas story about Jesus' birth. And we know the rest of the story that one day he was going to hang on a cross to forgive us of our sins. But now we've sat and listened to Jesus tell us over and over and over things about himself. Who he is and how that should affect how we live. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He is our salvation and meets our every spiritual need. We will never hunger or thirst again. Jesus is the light of the world. In him there is no darkness. He will show us the way. In his word and through the testimony of his life, if we follow him, we will not walk in darkness. Jesus is the door. Only through him do we enter in. There is no other way. Jesus is the Good shepherd. He is our protector, our provider, our defender. He will always have our best interest at heart and he's always there. Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He died for our sins and was resurrected and promised that those who are in him one day will be raised to new life and spend eternity with him as well. This is our hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. He is the absolute truth, and he is the best life we can live. And Jesus is the true vine. He is where we will get all that we need in order to, th- to thrive and produce spiritual fruit for the kingdom. May we find ourselves this morning in awe of all that Christ is. May we dwell on all the promises that he's told us about himself and may we surrender our lives because of all that he has done on our behalf in order to live for him and bring him glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we conclude the Christmas season and all that that entails, we give you glory. Well, God, we bless you that you loved us so much to send your son to die on our behalf. And God, we do stand in awe this morning that you have revealed yourself to us. Lord, you've revealed yourself through your word. You've revealed yourself through your son. And God, we ask this morning that by your spirit that you would convict us. Lord, that you would show us the dark areas of our life, that you would reveal the things in our heart that we are doing that aren't bringing you glory, that are hindering us from abiding in you and and from producing fruit for the kingdom of God. Lord, as we look to a new year and we think about what it will look like to walk with you in the next year, we, we beg you to lead us. Jesus, you are the light, the light of the world, and we beg you to show us how it is that we can live to bring you glory. Lord, your word says apart from you we can do nothing. Help us to abide in you and walk with you all the days of our lives. And Now as we have a time of invitation, Lord God, we ask that you would work in this room. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, we ask that you by your spirit would convict them of their sins. For the rest in this room that are believers, that are sheep wandering through their Life. Lord God, we ask that you, would, that you would work in our hearts and be glorified because of our obedience. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You stand as we sing. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you.